Welcome to the Bethel Church Austin Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this sermon by a special guest speaker. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit www.bethelchurchaustin.com. Good to be here, and the Lord has really blessed this house. You are so blessed to have pastors like Joaquin and Renee. Eddie and Mrs. Eddie. <laughs> Megan, excuse me. And the worship, oh my. You know, I think you have anointed sound booth people, even. <laughs> Thank you for what you do. Everybody turns around and looks at them if anything's wrong, you know, but, but uh, we need to just honor them for all the hours you spend in rehearsals and things like that to serve the body here. It's been a great weekend. I've actually only been here 24 hours, but it's, it's been wonderful being with you, and this is, concludes the conference. And, and I realize this is our normal weekend service here at Bethel Austin, and I'm honored to be a part of it. My wife sends her love and greetings. We're, uh, let's see, on Wednesday, I'm taking her on our 47th anniversary to a good steakhouse and uh, we have three wonderful kids and eight heavenly grandchildren. Don't ask me about them. I'll cry. I love them so much. Um, you know, my wife and I started out in, in ministry. Actually, we got married with, um, on our wedding cake. We had this wedding cake, and we put, go into all the world and preach the gospel on our wedding cake. And, and I was 20, and... And she was 21, but don't tell her I said that. And, and anyway, uh, <clears throat> we at the wedding altar made a vow that we would go to the nations and bring the gospel glory of Jesus Christ wherever he sent us. And now, 47 years later, you know, I, I can say, wow, you really sent us around the world, Lord. Uh, could you, like, send us to Florida, maybe, or Austin, or... Uh, but our dream came true the day our Cessna 185 is short takeoff and landing, specially designed aircraft, tricycle gear, uh, tail dragger. And as we, we land on the jungle airstrip, very short jungle, grassy airstrip, the plane, I call it control crash. It is like, and we finally stop. And there I am in the jungle with my wife and our our, our three children, five-month-old baby, and two daughters. And I get off the plane, and here's the first words I hear. Kill Brian. Kill Brian. No joke. It's, I wish it was. But the, the, the actual word, kill Brian. One shouted it, then another. And then everybody in the village seemed to be shouting it at once. Kill Brian. I thought, man, I'm going to have a short missionary career. This is going to, re you know, he got off the plane, martyred, <laughs> missionary soup, whatever. Well, one of the men could see the look on my face, and he spoke a little bit of Spanish, and I spoke a little bit of Spanish. So he came over and, and whispered in my ear and, and said, the word kill in our language means uncle. We're celebrating Uncle Brian has come. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
That was my first language lesson. The uh, tribe that we ministered in for uh, almost a decade was a, a, the tribal group had an unwritten language, which is crazy. In other words, they'd, for thousands of years, they'd never had a written form of their language. And as a linguist, I was sent to finalize the alphabet and to uh, help a Wycliffe translator. And uh, I w- was working with him in bringing the Word of God into their language. But how do you learn a language that's never been written down? I mean, all I could do is point. I pointed to a tree. What's that? And they gave me the word. I'd been trained phonetically to write the sounds, so I wrote out phonetically what I heard. And then there's a boulder over here, so I pointed and said, what's that? I got my second word. I was so excited. And then a cloud went overhead, and I knew if I pointed, I would get sky or cloud or shade or something. So I said, what's that? And I, I got three words. I looked at them carefully. It was the same word. Every time I said, what's that? They said, your finger's stupid. <laughs> they don't point with their finger. They point with their lip. So I, I had to totally unlearn our Western ways. And I was forced. Yeah, yeah I wish it was a joke. Uh, it, it took me, it took me so many hours of language study and and humiliation. You know, I can remember some of the ladies in the village mocking me as I walked out. Their husbands are all out in the fields working. You know, and I'm this lazy bum. All I'm doing is learning language. You know, and they'd come out of their hut and and, and look at me and say, you know, our three-year-old kids speak better than you do. You're, you know, that and. Anyway, the day came when I could speak their language, began to teach them the Word of God, and miracles, miracles broke out. But what sparked it was an all-night prayer meeting under the mosquito net. It was silly hot there. And, and I'm praying, and this is what I prayed. I said, Lord, you've got to reach these people. You have to break their heart open. I've been living with them now. I can speak a little bit of their language. But you have to break their heart open, God. You brought me here to reach these people. And the Lord stopped me and said, no, I did not. I brought you here to reach you. And if I could reach you, I could reach anyone. And that began the heartbreaking Uh, experience of going to every single person in the village started out the next morning I basically not slept all night and as the sun came up I knew they would start making their banana drink pounding out bananas for their morning coffee and that they'd start boiling rice and feed their family before the men went out to the field so I went to every single hut and asked them to forgive me that I've not loved you the way I should love you with the love of God. You see, they stole so much stuff from us, threatened my life more than once. I think they poisoned me twice. But I had not loved them the way I should. And the amazing thing happened. Guys, this is like late 80s, okay? And I'll never forget the, our, our next-door neighbor. I mean, the huts are really close, like, not any 
farther away than me to you, Eddie, right there, that close. I mean, you hear what you don't want to hear in everybody's house. So I go over to their hut, and I, and I, I start to tell them that, that God is really gripping my heart and that I need to love them more and they fall down into the dirt and start weeping. I go, man, that's... Baptists aren't used to this. What, what is this? And I went to the next hut and the same thing. They fall down and they start weeping. And, and by the time I got to the third, they were coming out of the hut because they could hear the different sobs of the, our neighbors. And... and they would fall down. I'd come, walk up to their door. They don't have a door. You know, you don't knock because there's no door. You just, you cough. <clears throat> That's how you, how they know somebody's coming. <clears throat> you cough about 10 or 15 feet away, you <clears throat> like that. That's how they know you're coming. Anyway, by the end of that night, every single person in that village experienced a power surge of God. It was like the whole atmosphere changed, like a, a glory had swirled over our village mass conversion, a church was birthed that, that day. I took a diesel generator in. They'd never seen television in their life. I took a TV, get a load of this, a VCR. Uh, millennials, ask your parents what that is. And, and, and I showed Jesus of Nazareth, this, this old, like, Jesus movie, over and over until the VCR broke. And the, the village, it all, I took picture. I went back behind the TV and took a picture when Jesus was being crucified, and they're all sobbing and crying. Every time they saw it, they'd just start weeping. And, and a church was born, and that's how we lived in our 80s, in the 80s, I should say. And uh, right after we, shortly after we came back, the Lord, an audible voice spoke to me. The only time it's ever happened, the voice of God spoke so clearly said, I'm sending you to North America. Revival's coming. You're going to be a part of it. And he gave me a specific commission that took me 25 years to understand. But after we left the village, I handpicked three missionary couples. I was leading the field so I could kind of take my pick of missionaries that were part of our organization and, and put them. So I picked the three best not realizing that shortly afterwards our village was overrun by the drug cartel. Colombian Mayantes came over the border and, and uh, killed the men, killed the guys, my best friends. So my best friends are martyrs. And I went to a church in Toronto in the 90s after coming back, and God healed my heart. I didn't realize survivor's guilt was such a powerful thing, but God healed my heart. I there were things I didn't even know were wounds that got healed. They're on the carpet for three days straight. I don't think I stood up once in three days. The glory of God just healed me. And that began my ministry, my pastoral ministry in Connecticut, where we pastored 18 years. And we saw wonderful things. We we're not far from Yale University. And, you know, I determined that I wasn't going to out Yale, Yale. In other words, I wasn't going to try to reach academia with knowledge. But I had something they know not of. It's called Espiritu Santo. Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit, depending on your persuasion. But 
God showed up. And all these Yaleys began to come by the second song of worship. They're on the carpets, not all over the carpet and tears and weeping like 20-year-olds in fetal position. God's spirit coming on them. They'd never experienced anything like that. Busloads came. Professors came. And God did a wonderful work as our church grew. And, and then when it was really hopping, God said, hand it over. Turn it over. I have something else for you. So we gave it to a younger leadership team, and they're doing great. The church is, as I understand it, still well over 1,000 people. And God is doing wonderful things there, but after I handed the church over, I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? I thought my wife would get a dream. She has so many dreams. Oh, she's amazing. Have I told you yet how wonderful my wife is? Please tell her when you see her that I mentioned it. Um, she didn't have a dream, but Jesus walked through my wall. And he breathed on me. This is 2009. And he said, I'm giving you a commission to translate the word of God. He promised that he would help me. And he promised that he would give me secrets. And he promised that I would be persecuted and gave me specific date that something would happen and it happened. So I knew it was God. I knew it was the Lord. So that began this process I've been on for the last nine years of translating the New Testament. It's done. The New Testament, Psalms, Proverbs, Song of Songs is finished. And um, it's called the Passion Translation. I, I really believe it's going to change the world. Uh, I really do. But uh, Isaiah is done, and it's, it's out, but out of print. I think Amazon has just a few copies left. But, um, yeah, it's going to be a few weeks before they get the printer. They, it sold so many, they were caught off guard. And then Genesis, I'm in Genesis 22. I spent this afternoon doing a few verses. I got, I got Isaac off the altar, hallelujah. And uh, I'm going to wrap up Genesis 22 probably before uh, I meet with the leaders here tomorrow morning. I, I get up early and I'll, hopefully we'll finish that chapter. But the thing that changed my life, and I won't keep you long tonight. I promise we'll be out by sunup. But the thing that has really radically changed my life to the point of my family noticing it. You know it's real when the people you live with see a difference. And what has changed my life is the message of the love of God. And I, you know, I can spell love. I, I, I teach about love. I memorize John 3.16. Dude, I, I can give you verses on love. But to have a, a love theology, to have a lens over your heart that is the heart of God, that... Love is who he is. And that all his works drip with mercy. It triumphs over judgment. Isaiah actually calls judgment his strange work. And a lot of people are like into judgment. I'm into mercy. I'm going to OD on it. <laughs> and the thing that has brought me the revelation of love 
more than anything else, I guess grandkids is one, but, you know, speaking in the Spirit, what has brought me the revelation of His love more than anything else is the greatest song ever composed. It's the song of all songs. In your Bible, it's called the Song of Solomon. It's eight chapters of nothing but love. And did you know eight times in Song of Songs, he calls you beautiful? Eight times. Eight's the number of a new beginning. We're a new beginning, new species. He loves us. Three of the eight, he, he uses an amplifier. It's, it's like, oh, how he loves us. The hyper love. I'm going to start a hyper love movement till I get rebuked and blogs come out, more blogs come out against me. But this love revelation, we think about how much he loves us, and that's legit, that's good. Think about it, ponder it. You know, that's beautiful. But have you ever thought about what you do to him? What your love does to the Son of God. It moves his heart. I wish we had the time to go verse by verse, which we don't, but chapter 4, let me highlight a couple verses and we'll see what happens. Chapter 4 of Song of Songs. By the way, I gave away 90 Bibles today, so somebody should have that with them. Somebody should have Song of Songs in the Passion Translation, chapter 4. Verse 9, you have ravished my heart. With one glance of your eyes, one flash of your eyes, I'm undone. My beloved, my equal, my bride. You leave me breathless. I am overcome. By merely a glance from your worshiping eyes, you have stolen my heart. Everybody say the words, just a glance. Just a glance. Just a glance from your eyes of worship, and you steal his heart. You ravish his heart. The Hebrew is such a unique, uh, unique word. It is a, a, a cardiac uh, arrhythmia is what it is. You have given me arrhythmia. You cause my heart to skip a beat. You ravish my heart. I need a pacemaker when I'm around you, when you worship me like this, with a untethered, un, you know, undone worship as you come to me and you love me the way you love me. Though you haven't even seen me, yet you love me that way. You ravish me. Can you imagine God saying that about you, <clears throat> you, that you have the capability of conquering his heart. You conquer the heart of the Son of God with worship. And that'll get me to church to worship God. You conquer his heart. You ravish his heart. You've stolen his heart, I looked at like 75 translations to see how they did it. 
You know, nobody conquers Jesus. Not the demons, all the principalities and powers, line them all up, bind them together, put them all in one room. They're not collectively going to do to Jesus what you do with one glance. One glance. You conquer the unconquerable Christ. Nobody conquers Jesus. But weak, feeble, insecure, hardly get it right Christians, you, me, we conquer Jesus. Now, if you conquer a conqueror, that would make you more than a conqueror. Through him who loved us. You see, Pauline theology is all rooted. I'm telling you, the arteries of, of the body of Christ all come back into the heart of the Song of Songs. So you ravish him. Jesus puts a crown on your head and watches you grow up to fit it. The church will reward you when you've done good. Jesus gives you on the front end every spiritual blessing, calls you beautiful, radiant, the delight of his heart, and you can't even spell Calvary yet. The great love of God. He calls things that are not as though they are. He speaks into your destiny. He never, ever looks at your history because you don't have one. It ended with three nails 2,000 years ago. You only have a destiny. He only treats you, looks at you and, and me according to the destiny of being the lookalike of Jesus, to be forever like him. And he orchestrates our entire life to bring us into the fullness of Christ. He puts godly people into our lives. He turns our heart onto him and into his heart. He pulls us. He draws us with cords of love. He wins and woos and, and, and overcomes our defense mechanisms. It's called the mountains of pride that he melts like wax. He leaps over mountains to come to the Shulamite. In chapter 2, he effortlessly leaps over hills. I can't wait to do this on Broadway, and I'm not kidding. <laughs> and, and I've got such a... a idea of, what, of how this would work. Of G, here's the, the chick, the Shulamite. She's on the couch watching soaps, eating potato chips on her couch, and she looks through the window and says, no, it can't be. And it's Jesus leaping like a gazelle. Woo! <clears throat> That'll be cool. You know, Circus Soleil or whatever it is. Oh! And he's coming to her. And he comes right up to, his, to her wall, right into looking through the window, the patchwork, the lattice of her soul. He looks into her, and he can tell she's not going to go. She's not going to arise and come away. But he still says it twice in chapter 2, arise, my love, and come away. It's been said the most beautiful word in the English language is the word Come. And he says that to you and to me. Come. Come away. Get out of your head. Get out of your past. 
Get out of religion. Get out, you know. You're not in church. You're in Christ. You're not in a mess. You're in Him. And come into this trysting place of union and bliss, of, of joining into ecstatic glory of being one with Him this Christmas season. And she says, no thanks. I don't do mountains. I do conferences. But I don't do mountains. I, you expect me to leap over mountains? That's, you're like the Son of God. You do that. I, 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 I like listen to podcasts. I... I I watch videos and online streaming. But I, 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 leaping over mountains, you actually, why do you think he came to her? It's because he's showing her this is what you and I will do together. Hey, if you're going to marry up, you're going to have to learn mountains. You're going to have to learn to do what you're not normally doing. And in chapter two, she has to say to him, the end of the chapter, he says, Turn, my beloved, my beloved, turn. Or the Hebrew is literally return, go back where you came from. I'm not ready. Come when the day breaks and there's no more shadows and doubts and fears and lions and tigers and bears. Oh my! When 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 I am mature, come and then I will go to mountains with you. Chapter three. She goes through the dark night, tossing and turning on her bed. Curtain rises and here she is looking for her beloved. He's nowhere to be found. I'm going to skip right into chapter 4 and leap into chapter 6. I read the verse in chapter 4. He calls her his paradise, his garden of bliss. Oh, you are a garden of bliss in the eyes of God. You are his banqueting table. You are his love feast. Don't withhold from him what he longs for. To have you fully. No competitor. No distraction. Just to have you. And this thought of, you know, your eyes capture me. He brings it up again in chapter 6. Turn your eyes from me. I can't take it anymore. I can't resist the passion of these eyes that I adore. Overpowered by a glance, my ravished heart undone. Held hostage by your love. I'm truly overcome. That Jesus would say to his maturing bride, look away, I can't take this kind of passion. I, I, I can't resist these eyes that I adore. If, if you keep looking at me like that, then, then I, will, I will empty heaven for you. I will have to give you everything. Like revival. You want Austin, you can have it. The whole city. We'll start with your family, and it'll spread out from there. But to, to overpower him, it's interesting, the Hebrew text actually has the word Rahab in there. You have Rahabbed his heart. 
You, you, he is overcome by your love. Overcome. That's the word Rahab. Isn't that fascinating? It's the only other place it's found in the Old Testament is Song of Songs. In the Hebrew, you have Rahabed my heart. Rahab had a few things to overcome. I mean, that gal had some issues. Her issues had it. Like the lady I saw on the street the other day had a t-shirt that said, my issues have issues. <laughs> oh, dude, I couldn't wait to cross the street and get on the other side. Rahab had issues. I mean, think about what the, the, the women thought of her. Don't even think about what the men thought of her. She was a prostitute. She was not an innkeeper. Yeah, with benefits. Some scholars say, well, she was just an innkeeper. Well, not according to the book of James. He mentions that she was a harlot. So Rahab welcomed the two spies. And did you know she ended up marrying one of them? A little fishy guy, his name was Salmon, Salmon, S-A-L-M-O-N. But they made it work. No kidding, that's his real name, Salmon. <laughs> yeah, like grilled, please. And, and Rahab ended up being a part of the genealogy of Jesus. And was the great-great-grandmother to somebody really famous who became a king. His name was David. Isn't that amazing? So she was an overcomer. That's what her name means. And so we overcome. We conquer him. We, we have an influence on, on the heart of Jesus. Some of you think of him like a statue in heaven, guys. He's not. He is a tender-hearted, fun-loving, glory-filled human being that was brought right into the triune glory and seated at the right hand of God. He is a man exalted in heaven. He is 100% God. You'll never get me to deny that. But he's 100% man. So there's a human running the universe. What does that tell you prophetically? God brought humanity into the Trinity. God became human so that man could come inside of God. It's called theosis. And the church fathers taught it. It's considered heretical by some in the church today. But the Lord has brought us into triune glory. I mean, your destiny is bigger than getting a raise at work. All right? I mean, may you have one. May you have two. Plus a bonus. Tell him I said so. But your calling, your destiny is greater than succeeding here in your career. Your destiny is to be a vibrant look-alike, a glory-filled torch of glory. Jesus is going to shine through you. And everything you love about him is who you will be. Your calling is to become like Christ. So, the fact that he would tell his worshiping lovers, turn your eyes from me, I can't take it anymore. I can't resist the passion of these eyes that I adore. Overpowered by a glance, my ravished heart undone, held hostage by your love. I'm truly overcome.
that has changed my life. And the book ends, Song of Songs ends, chapter 8, <clears throat> with the invitation. This is how we'll end here tonight, I think. Is the same invitation for you to take him as a fiery seal over your heart. You, many of you have been sealed by your failure. You've been marked, marred by your past. Angry words have sealed your heart. Rejection, perhaps, from parents, others. But Jesus says, take me. Place me. Place me over your heart as a fiery seal of love. Fascinating. Chapter 8, verse 5 and 6. Take me and put me now as a seal over your heart. You know, that has another meaning. It's called a homonym. The Hebrew word actually has another meaning. It's the word prison cell. Become a prisoner in my love. Come inside this prison cell with me. Now do you realize why Paul said, I'm the prisoner of the Lord? He was sealed. Many of you are so concerned about the mark of the beast when in fact the seal of God is on your forehead and the seal of God is going to be on your heart. To be sealed in the grace of God. Signed, sealed, delivered. Oh. Seven times in the New Testament it says we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. Did you know in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, it says that the Holy Spirit is the down payment, the earnest, the guarantee. I'm thinking of different words used in some translations, the pledge. But the arabon, the Greek word, you better sit down for this. The Greek word is actually engagement ring. The Holy Spirit is the engagement ring to the body of Christ. He put a ring on it. He took a knee in Gethsemane and put a ring on it. The Holy Spirit. I had to get that out. Oh, the Holy Spirit is the engagement ring. If, his, if the Holy Spirit right now gifts fruit, wisdom, and power, gifts fruit, wisdom, power, gifts fruit, wisdom, power is but my engagement ring. Oh my. What is this wedding feast going to be all about? Woo! That'll make a Baptist into Pentecostal right there. Oh! <laughs> Shishka Babaluskis. I'm telling you. Oh. Oh. Oh, I may run around the church. <laughs> the engagement ring. Somebody take a selfie. There it is. Espiritu Santo. Man, I like that. The comforter has come. 
My, oh my. Seven times we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. And that's so good. But Jesus comes. He's coming into the room right now. And He says, take me as a seal of fire over your heart. Kick Antichrist to the curb for just, just a day, all right? Just kick him to the curb, forget about him. And put me as a seal over your heart. Like a solar flare of love. It'll be a fire. Uh, you know, it'll be a, a, a burning, consuming, endless fire. It's like a baptism of fire that comes upon you and seals your life. You're no good for the world anymore. You're sealed for the kingdom of God. Jesus has become everything. Will you take this man to be your gloriously, spiritually, forever wedded bridegroom? For richer or for richerer? In health and in healthier. Good and gooder. I say, I do. I take this man. I take him as my gloriously beautiful, loving companion for eternity. I don't know what it'll look like, but I know him whom I believed in. And I know he's able to keep that which I've committed to him until that day of the unveiling. Bethel Austin, Jesus really, really loves you. And you are going to change the world. And you're going to receive a baptism of fire right now. So stand up if you dare. My wife and I, <clears throat> our ministry is called Passion and Fire. There was a season. Come on up, bro. Oh, you're going you're gonna to stay down there and worship. Okay, that's good. That's all right. There was a season, and it may happen again tonight, that fire alarms go off. And uh, for, for like years, every meeting we would have a fire truck in front of us or would cross the road in front of us as we were going to the church. And leaving the meetings, we would go to our hotel and step into the hotel and immediately the fire alarm would go off. It happened so many times. Everybody's running out in their jammies, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm tired, I'm going to bed, I know what this is. The Lord wants to send a coal of fire to your heart. On this cold... Dude, I thought Austin was warm. Man, did I pick a weekend or what? Uh, on this cold Texas evening, God wants to send a coal of fire to you. Fire! Increase it! 
Okay. Put your hand over your heart. I'm sure you have one. Let's say it together. I take you, Lord Jesus, as the seal of fire over my heart tonight. Burn up everything that doesn't look like you. Consume me in your love until I am one with you. Many rivers cannot put out this fire. Rivers of persecution and rejection cannot extinguish this flame. For love is as strong as death. It's jealousy like the grave. If I were to give all I had for this love, It's nothing. It cannot even be called a sacrifice compared to your love. Fill me now. Make me more loving than I want to be. Let's say that again. Make me more loving than I want to be. Let a baptism of love come over me. And a baptism of your fire. Release it now. In Jesus' name. Now turn to somebody next to you, even if they're a little bit different. And pray for them right now. Pray a baptism of fire. There it is. Glory. Glory fire all over the room. Fire for the worship team. Fire for the intercessors, the prayer team, the ministry team. Fire for Jeff and Millicent. Fire. Ha! Fire. Fire for the children's ministry. Send your fire. I'm, I'm hearing that old Salvation Army song. Send your fire, God. Baptize Austin in the flame divine. Radical lovers. Keep Austin weird and on fire. More, Lord. More. More. More, God. Coal of fire from heaven be released into this house. More. Come on, he makes his messengers flames of fire, not ice cubes. Flames of fire. 
<laughs> More, Lord. Make me a flame of fire at work. That dysfunctional office I'm in, make me a flame of fire in that place. In my messed up family, make me a flame of fire to love them like never before. More God. Whoa! Jesus. Inflame our passions for you, God. Your bride is calling out to you, Lord. More. How much of the fire do you want? How much of the fire do you want? Charles Finney had a 50-mile radius around him when he walked the earth. A revivalist in the 1800s, so anointed. People miles away would come under the sway of a glory zone all around him. The atmosphere shimmered with the presence of God. He shut down Manhattan with a revival glory. Ships miles out into New York Harbor before they even got to New York experienced fire from heaven and a glory. They would signal to the shoremen, send a chaplain, send a chaplain. They thought the captain died. A rowboat would go out with a chaplain, crawl up the side of the hull of a ship, only to see the captain and all his crew shaking and baking like bacon in a frying pan on the deck. The power of God had come over New York. What are you going to do when that comes to Austin? How bad do you want it? God wants to release a glory that will change this city and change the future of Texas and shake the nation to its core. I keep feeling like Texas is a prophetic hub in our nation. That I know it's Bible Belt, but I see a gift of prophecy coming upon this state and churches and pastors and ministries making way for the prophetic anointing to come into the services. Where we have inspirational prophecy again in the church. We hear the thundering voice of God's prophets again in the church. And we don't shut down the rising Davids, the prophetic minstrels in our midst that God is raising up. I see another Lauren Daigle being raised up right here out of Austin. A young singer is going to be anointed of God and raised up. You watch, a phenom coming. God is going to anoint somebody out of this city, and you're going to have a part and a role in that. Mm. The favor of God is coming upon this house. 
I see a conference center or a meeting hall bigger than this that will be your next move sooner than you think. And I know, I know what that means. You go, oh my, we have moved so many times. We've had such a moving experience. But when the cloud lifts, you're going to go. It's like a banquet hall or a conference hall or uh, I, I see it. Got your name on it. And it may not look initially like it will work for you, but God is bringing you there and he will make it work. I see people he, being healed right now of, of like <clears throat> something about throat. And I, I don't mean just a sore throat, even though God obviously can heal that with, with <laughs> flicking of a finger. But I, I, it's almost like throat cancer. There's been something having severe about a throat and an operation that you may have had or ha you're being told you're going to have to have it. God wants to heal you powerfully right now. If that's you, wave at me. God is going to bring you healing. Yes. Amen. And you actually have, it's almost like an obstruction or something, and you have even pain right now. Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray full healing. Full healing. If you're around her, just stretch your hand out and pray for her right now in Jesus' name. Is there another person? I don't want to miss anybody. Was there someone? I'll wave at, get my attention if it's you. There's one more here? Okay. What is it? Throat? All right. Would you, you guys that are around here, would you pray for our precious sister, my daughter here? Pray for her. Anybody else? Was there somebody else? Okay, good. Your throat's good. Amen. We want it that way. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. How many of you loved having Jeff Collins here for this isn't he amazing? What he brought, and uh, would you mind coming up, Jeff, and just let, let's just let's just go deeper here. Let, let's do a let's do a duet, shall we? Uh, you do cello, I'll I'll do I don't know. <laughs> Share with us, man. What is God doing? Let, let's end this thing. Let, let's hit the sweet spot as we go. Father, we thank you right now. We thank you that every good and perfect gift comes down from you. And we just stretch all of our heart towards you. We stretch up our hands towards you. We just say, Lord, we want to receive everything that you have for us. You are our portion in this life. You are our shield and exceeding great reward. I just see assignments being preempted right now by the oil of heaven on our shield. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you right now 
for glory encounters in this room. Hey! Thank you, Father. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways, he said, but right now he is making known his thoughts. He's making known his ways. Yes. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Show me now your way. Anybody, is that your Christ? Say that. Show me now your way. Show me now your way. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. It is seed like He causes the vapors from the earth to arise, and then those vapors began to form clouds, and then clouds began to get thick, and heavy rain begins to come. And this weekend has been marked by heavy rain. First in the natural, then in the spirit. And Lord, we thank you for raining in this place. Rain down righteousness on us. Rain down righteousness upon us. Rain down righteousness on Austin, Lord. Wash the streets clean. Wash the alleys clean. Wash the homes, Lord. I just see the Lord coming like a flood. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father God. I see, I hear right now. There's going to be a banner year for blue bonnets. A banner year for blue bonnets. It'll be the greatest bloom in decades. The hills will rejoice. The deer will skip again in the fields. I see springs that have been dry being opened again in the hill country. I see the turning back right now. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Just lay your hand on your on your head right now. I just saw pollutions being dealt with. I just see the crystal clear water from heaven just washing our minds, hallelujah, just washing right now, I just see renewal, I proclaim renewal right now, you send forth your spirit and you renew the face of all the earth, renew the face of our lives, renew the face of the hill country, 
Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father. I see specifically for Bethel Austin that you're going to have a wonderful anointing that the cripple and the lame shall walk. <laughs> the Lord says this is a gate beautiful. This work is a beautiful gate. And he's raising up at the beautiful gate a brand new company of gatekeepers. I see unity. I hear singers and players with such unity that glory, there's no way glory cannot come. It's going to be hard to stand up. Appreciate your enthusiasm right now. It's going to be hard to stand. Anybody want to try? Lord, we thank you for weighty glory. We thank you for seasons of weighty glory. We thank you not just for a time and then another time later, but I thank you for seasons. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I know of seasons that there was so much glory that whenever you would step into it, you had to fall. No one could get out of the building because of weighty glory. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I hear two are better than one because they have a reward for their labor. Right now, if you are isolated, God wants to bring you in right now. He that isolates himself is not wise. God sets the solitary into families. Welcome to Bethel, Austin. Welcome to this house. I see Satan falling like lightning. I proclaim safe houses, safe neighborhoods. I see and I hear now heavenly safe zones. I see movement in the high schools. And it will not be federal safe zones. It will be heavenly safe zones. We worship you. We worship you, Father. 
We give you glory, Father. Houses of prayer are going to come into this church. I see prayer gatherings. And I, I have no clue what prayer ministry you have here, other than there's a prayer room where I had tacos tonight before the meeting. I love that prayer room, by the way. That's very... Oh, and the, anyway. But I see... I see an increase of prayer. The spirit of prayer. The spirit of intercession coming upon the church. And always accompanies revival. Always accompanies an outpouring is this powerful prayer movement. And we thank God for all the prayer models. But I've got a new one. I'm going to call it Just Pray. Just Pray prayer model. Don't worry about whether you fit or it looks like somebody else prays. Just pray. Just pray. How many of you would say, I want to be a house of prayer. I want to be a prayer meeting on two legs. I want to be a prayer meeting on two legs. Walking, breathing, breathing out. Prayer wherever I go. My wife has taught me how to walk and live in prayer. I see the prayer ministry. If, if you're a part of the prayer ministry here, uh, how can I identify you? I, uh, wave your hand at me if you're part of the prayer ministry. Wow, that's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. <clears throat> it's going to multiply times four. So between now and Valentine's Day, you're going to have a move of the Spirit having to do with prayer as a precursor of this wave that's about to hit Austin. I also see a house of prayer on a citywide, like a capital house of prayer, like Congress house of prayer, or there, there's, there's a house of prayer. That if it's not here, it's coming, believe me. There's coming a citywide endeavor of prayer. And I see young people, middle school people, and even younger coming and, and making mommy and daddy come. Yeah, I see children bringing parents into this prayer movement that's about to hit. Woo! Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Pastor Eddie, come on up. We're going to have fun here. Don't you love this man? I really do. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh. Put your hands out in front of you. see horns of oil being poured out. Horns of oil are being poured out. I can actually see the angelic in the room right now. They're moving around. They're bringing horns of oil and they're just pouring them across our hands right now. Some of them are missing and hitting your faces. 
Oh. Become aware of the reality of heaven in the room right now. Become aware of the reality of the angelic pouring out right now. Some of you will begin to feel the hot, liquid love of heaven that's being poured out upon your hands. Oh, wow. Oh, man. Yeah, somewhere right over here, there are, there are two angels that have actually stopped moving through the room, and they're standing there, and they're waiting. If you can sense them standing next to you, wave your hand. Yep, there, good. Who else? There's somebody else right over here. You know, he's, you know that there's an angel standing next to you. Yep. There it is. Come on. There. I want you to fully put your hands up in the air and I want you to get ready. I'm glad that everyone else in the room is starting to understand that when something is happening in a place in the room, it's actually an invitation for everyone to receive. Just because I'm pointing to an area, it doesn't mean God's restricting you. It means he's inviting you to see what he's doing over here. As we celebrate what God is doing in a place, it actually brings us into the reality that that place is never restricted. And wherever our desires reside, it's an invitation for receiving what he's pouring out. So Father, right now, as those angels are standing there, I pray that you would touch Touch their heads right now. That you would bring a baptism of love, a baptism of fire. The horn of oil is poured out over them. Shoo. If you have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, begin to wave your hands. It's not to signal that you're wanting it. It's, the, it's that you're, you're, you're actually playing in the cloudy presence of God and you're actually bringing down the reign of his glory on your life right now. If you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, again, wave your hand. Wave your hand. If you've never spoken in tongues, wave your hand. Don't, don't not do this. Don't not receive this right now. Wave your hands. Wave your hands. Wave your hands. Now, begin to speak in tongues. Now, go. Begin to speak in tongues right now. Don't think about it. Just go. Receive it. Speak in tongues right now. Marissa. Marissa. The girl right there with the glasses. Go put your hand on her. If you've never felt the tangible touch of God, an actual touch of his presence, the physical manifest glory of God's presence, begin to wave your hands. Begin to wave your hands. If you want to feel a manifest touch of God, wave your hands. Shh. 
Become aware what your hands are touching. Sometimes we think we have to do something. You're just reaching up and just touching him right now. Father, your manifest glory descend on us right now. Descend on us like a cloud, God. The cloud of your glory, come, God. Begin to check your hands for oil. Oil's manifesting in this place right now. I can see it. When you see the oil of God on your hands, I want you to just wave your hand so I can see it. There, more. Yes, more. Come on. This isn't reserved for anyone. There's no qualification. The oil of God is being poured out tonight. Yep, there, another one. Just begin to be aware of the oil of God on you right now. Actually, I like what's happening. If you have oil beginning to manifest on your hands, show the people around you. It's not to brag, it's to invite. Okay, somebody just said, is gold dust okay? Gold dust is okay. How many of you would actually like that? You know, during the session earlier today, I kept looking up and I had this familiar feeling that there was a glory cloud forming in the room. I don't know how many of you ever heard about the glory clouds that used to manifest at Bethel, but I, I've seen it and I felt like we were entering into a place where the glory of God was beginning to manifest visibly that everyone would see it. So Father, I thank you for the gold that's descending in this room. Father, whoo, come on, oh man, oh man, how many of you want to find gems and diamonds and, whoo, okay, how many of you have something that's been lost or stolen recently? If you have something that's been lost or stolen recently, I want you to know that you have access to pull it out of heaven right now. Some of you are going to pull lost wedding rings out of heaven right now. They're going to manifest in your hand as you're here. Shh. Who lost the wedding ring in here? Who's lost the wedding ring right here? Who else? If you lost the wedding ring, wave your hand. There, there. Wow. That's just illegal. Shh. All right, I want you to reach into heaven right now. I want you to find those lost things. Nothing is hidden from him.
Put your hand on your heart and put another hand on your stomach. Father, open the doors of our heart. Open the window of our heart, God. Let us receive all of these things, God, into our heart. But God, open up our bellies. And let it never stay hidden within us, but let it become a river that flows out of us, God. God, never let the the glory of God, the water of your presence, go stagnant in our lives. But let it be something that flows in and out of us so that we become a living supply of your glory to everyone around us, God. Yeah, come on. whole lot of gold dust manifesting right now. How many people need healing in their back, directly in their spine somewhere? And I'm not saying you have a sore back. I mean, you need healing. You need a God to do a manifest change in your body. Put both hands up in the air. If you're around them, I just want you to place your hand on their back. Nothing big. Don't pray. Sometimes we need to enter into a place of just knowing that God is here instead of trying to push into seeing something happen. Father, right now, we just release your Holy Spirit over these bodies right now. God, you are making crooked things straight right now. You are restoring discs right now. You are taking pinched nerves and releasing them right now. You are correcting vertebrae right now. Scoliosis is removed right now in Jesus' name. Now, however you can, if you know that God is actually touching your body, I want you to begin to test and tell me that you're better. Let me know. Wave your hands if your back is actually feeling relief. And it doesn't have to be I'm completely healed. It's God is touching my body right now to some extent. Wave your hand if God is touching your body. Yes, there. there. Wow, yeah, there, there, there. Yes, come on. Come on. Melting liquid heat. That's a good description of what God's doing. There's even more to come. If your back is, if you still have pain in your back or something needing to happen, keep your hands up in the air. Keep receiving. And I want you to know, it's not for your sake that you're being healed, it's for his. 
He wants to get the glory and he wants to, he wants to show how adoring, how much of an adoring love he has for you so that you turn your affections even deeper to him. Thank you, Father. The Father's love is here. The Father's love is here. The Father's love is here. And I feel like there, there's a Father's embrace available for each each and every person here <laughs> sometimes the father's love looks like a hand grenade It's <laughs> so what I've been trying to find words for to articulate the Father's love is just writing in 
and he's been he's been partnering with these these two spiritual fathers. It wasn't a mistake that they were here together. Just what they carry and the father's embrace is is riding on that and <clears throat> actually got this from from Brian earlier. He was sharing with us at lunch and talking about Jesus being born in the manger and, and swaddled in the cloth. And he, he talked about that that, that cloth, uh, it actually comes from the sacrificial lamb that they would swaddle the, the lamb and then they would, they would protect that lamb all year long so that it wouldn't get bruised or ruffled, marred in any way. But that, that cloth came from from the, the, the priest, they would wear it once and then, and then they were done and then they would take that and they would tear it up and they would swaddle the lamb. And that's the cloth that Jesus was swaddled in at his birth and it's the same cloth he was swaddled in at his death. But I feel like the, the Father's embrace just wants to swaddle some people here tonight and I don't know how we're going to facilitate this and if you can't stay it's fine you can go whenever whenever you release you've already got it amen thanks for listening to the sermon of the week for more information about this podcast and other resources please visit www.bethelchurchaustin.com